disappointed in them because the heroes are very shallow and kind of materialistic and atheistic. And and I thought, uh, wow, you know, St. Michael, he's a real superhero. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you know, in a nutshell, uh, decided to make a comic book about that uh, apparition of St. Michael in the, in the Korean War. Did that, got a real good response. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about what, what would my next one be? And so I was looking at other apparitions of St. Michael, um, and I came upon this one on Mount Gargano. Uh, the one on Mount Gargano is actually part of a series of apparitions that happened across Europe um, that are called the St. Michael Sword Strike. So uh, the one on Mount Gargano, pretty weird story. Um, and I was researching and just didn't really find a lot of information about it. But one, uh, in a nutshell, what happens is, is there is a bull that wanders into a cave. So this is in Gargano, Italy. And the rancher was trying to get this bull out and the bull will not come out. You know, he's like knelt at the mouth of the cave. And he gets so frustrated that he decides he's going to shoot his own bull with an arrow and uh, loads the bow up, tries to shoot this bull, and the, the arrow goes into the cave, turns around, flies out, and then hits him. Mm. I like a boomerang. <laughs> like a boomerang. I'm sure yeah, he was very era. surprised. Yeah, I um, imagine so, yeah. Then St. Michael comes out of the cave and says, I'm St. Michael. We're not going to kill any bulls in this cave. And this is, uh, you know, it's the whole story that I'd heard. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, what a weird <laughs> thing, you know, like uh, yeah. help the guy get the bull out or why, why do you care? You know, it's his bull. And, um, but the further I looked into it, it it's actually really about uh, paganism mm-hmm. and pagan rituals. So uh, just before that, you know, Rome, totally pagan. That was their whole deal. And uh, it was Constantine that, started legalizing Christianity and, you know, eventually made it the state religion, you know. So so that had all happened, but there were still plenty of people that were pagans, you know. And um, it, it was just part of the culture. And it's just kind of like the Masons here. People will join the Masons so they can be in politics or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, same thing there. So there was one cult in particular called the Cult of Mithras, and they have uh, unearthed hundreds, I think it's like 800 caves uh, across Italy where they would do these sacrifices. So a lot of historical scholars say, well, uh, you know, this apparition is because they don't want people doing the pagan sacrifice Mm. of a bull in a cave. So it just sort of built on that. Um, This comic, uh, Defend Us in Battle, it begins with, uh, three main characters. One represents a soldier uh, in the Roman army. Another one is his co-soldier in the Roman army. And then there is the uh, general. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Very intriguing. Yeah. You said the first one the, the above the 38th parallel, that was Korea, mm-hmm. a whole different part of the world. And now you've got, in fact, on the back of this, you've got a really cool map that shows this uh, sword strike. And so San Angelo uh, Sul Gargano, is that this one? Yes. And th- now, are these the kind of things that 
our church approved as a church, you know, put its stamp and say, yes, this did happen or, and tell, tell us, you know, how all these are maybe related to each other time wise. Sure. And also, of course, geographically, they certainly are. Well, uh, the church, these are all church approved apparitions. So that's why I was, you know, kind of went with them. Um, as far as the, uh, sword strike goes, it's a, it's a perfectly straight line on a map between these different apparitions that happened across Europe. Um, as far as the comic book goes, it's historical fiction. Mm-hmm. I don't know who this rancher guy was. I'm, I'm just making some assumptions and uh, trying to tie it all together in an interesting story. And, uh, you know, so anyways, it, it's historical fiction as far as that goes, but it all leads up to this real event that the church you know says definitely did happen yeah see there's one in ireland mm-hmm. and one in israel uh are, are you eventually going to do comics for each one of these and that, that'll be the yeah. series and you've done uh gargano mm-hmm. and that's now for sale and people can get a hold of it yeah uh we'll certainly repeat the information a number of times but uh, people are probably already thinking well how can i get my hands on this so do you have your own website or what i do i sell them at caput Canis.com and that's C A P U T C A N I S.com. You probably need to explain that. What does that mean? Well, that's Latin for dog head. <laughs> and uh, so I'm a convert, and I had always, before I converted, always just had this uh, like affection for St. Christopher. I don't know why, it just basically came into my life several times. So St. Christopher is always depicted as having a dog head in art. And I always thought that was really, I thought this Gargano story was weird, but (laughs) why does he have a dog head? So looking deeper into it, Romans, um, when they would go and invade the surrounding villages and stuff, they would take the children of the places they'd conquer, turn them into slaves and put them in the military. Uh Uh, You know, if they're big, they put them in the military. So St. Christopher was real big. When they would depict somebody as a dog head or having a dog head, it meant that they came from a place where there were cannibals. So um, that's why they I, – I right. love St. Christopher. I don't think he was a cannibal. I hope he wasn't, but maybe his yeah. parents were. Caputcanis.com. Yeah. Okay. So um, – you, you mentioned the, the first one above the 38th parallel uh, was well-received. Um, what kind of reaction have you gotten? And as I mentioned in the introduction, comics are not just for, ten, you know, 10-year-old boys. There's probably people of all sexes and ages that yep. enjoy this. So do, well, who's the target if there is such a thing? Or are people of all backgrounds reading these? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, it's interesting. I get uh, sales all over the world. Australia, the English speaking world, you know, Australia, Canada, Ireland, England. Um, and uh, it's, it's all age groups. Usually the people purchasing them are purchasing them for their children, but a lot of adults do also. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was just kind of inspired to do this thing, but it's because I really look at media and storytelling as a culture's like folklore. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go to anybody and say, oh, may the force be with you. And they're going to know what you're talking about, yeah. you know, and it means some weird new age thing to them that, you know, you can like know about with each other. And so uh, I think it's important for us to tell our actual real stories in our to make a Catholic culture. And that's the whole point of these, so that people can reference them later. You know, 
I'm, you know, very um, uninformed when it comes to comes to comics and all that. But comics have a, a very unique look. There's a you know, you know when you pick up a comic book. Yeah. What is that? I mean, what is it? You know, and, and you've got it down because you pick this up and it's like, yeah, this is a comic book. It's what is it that makes a comic book unique in, in, in as far as the artistry? Well, so it's funny that you say that a big part of it is the actual paper. It's supposed to be thin and lay flat. Yeah. Um, if you go to our printer, they're going to say, oh, let me give you this thick stock and it'll be real stiff and not really lay flat. But anyways, uh, just just from uh, like industrial design point that's how that is uh but next the you know it's it's really visual cinematic storytelling but uh you know that you would read that you take your time to look at you know in a movie it's all about the speed of the cut and that type of a thing but but this is all about framing action you know and then visually taking the reader through it and i love it because i'm a graphic designer and you can work in typography with it and i think you know mentally to be in the same time and space as the story but then get to use cool typography uh cool framing basically um you know presenting uh emotion through art um and then also you know you can get real serious with it but it's just a comic book yeah you don't have to take it too seriously and it like, looks like about 90 percent if not more of the storytelling is done through the the art there are a few words, but in the most case, it's ah and shin and boom and you know that kind of thing. There's not a lot of dialogue, is there? Uh, yeah, uh, a little bit. I'm a little heavy in the beginning and yeah. the end to to lay out the case. Hey, this is Rome. Um, the army has a lot of pagan influence, and uh, but then you know there's Christians in the army, and the main character uh, specifically, I have him in the lineage of. Uh, following Constantine, mm -hmm. and which is, you know, the very important for our faith. So, uh, and have him defending the faith as the main character against characters that are, in fact, totally pagan and summoning demons as a way to help the Roman army. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see that as, as how it works today. You know, people do that directly and indirectly when they turn away from God and try and say, oh, you know, help me out uh, it, so that I can do my will to make my will happen. And, it, you know, that happens in all, all kinds of facets of life now. And there's even some problems in our own military of people doing that. If you just look at the woke, you know, you know stuff they've got going on mm -hmm. and all of that. Shanti Guy is my guest, comic uh, book artist, and he has put out a new comic book based on St. Michael the Archangel. It's called St. Michael Defend Us in Battle and his website kaputcanis.com, C-A-P-U-T-C-A-N-I-S.com. He already explained the, the, um, the meaning behind that. This uh, comic books in general is a big industry, isn't it? Uh, there, there's over by where I live in Bedford. There's a comic store right in the corner of Harwood and 121. Man, they're always, it's just uh, packed all the time. So this is uh, a big industry. And But I'm guessing religious comic books is something that is is very unique. Or Are there other people doing the kind of thing you're doing? Uh, yeah, there are other comic book companies. And it's kind of like the music industry. You know, um, there's the Protestant uh, versions, which yeah. sometimes can be a little heretical, you mm -hmm. know. 
Um, and then then there are a couple other uh, cat. Well, there's really only one other Catholic company, uh, Voyage Comics, and they you know they kind of have their own take on things. It's all fiction, everything that they do. It's not based on any um, anything specific, but very compelling. You know, mm-hmm. and they actually uh, sorry, I say all fiction, but they they've done some about some about modern day saints. And yeah, anyways, I look at them as my uh, brothers in arms and and hope they do real well also. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, um, how long does it take you to do a book like this? Uh, I mean, it looks very detailed. Like it looked like it'd be very time consuming. What, what, what does this take you? It, it is, but it's it's weird because uh, I just got my mindset that I would do it and um I will go through these phases, and I really, um, I used to say I blame the Holy Spirit, but I, I look to the Holy Spirit to give me the actual mental space and power and whatever to just sit down and do it. And it usually takes about three months, you know, mm-hmm. uh, write the script, sketch it all out, and you ink it, and then you color it, and uh, then you have to actually get it printed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're right about the paper. It is a, it's kind of a sleek type of paper, and uh, that's its important. So it right. looks comic uh, bookish, right? So um, this one's done, um, Gargano. What are, you, what are you tackling next, or are you actively working on the next one already? I am. Uh, so this, uh, there's seven different um, instances that are seven different apparitions. So this particular one, I'll take uh, nine comics to tell the entire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I plan to do that for all the other apparitions. And then I'm going to put it all in one big book. At that point, I'm going to be super old, but I'm hoping <laughs> that uh, it will be like this coveted thing among yeah. uh, Catholics or whatever. And, uh, you know, like, uh, yeah. I'll, then pay, I'll die. Pay for your, okay. That's you're, you're my dying. plan. <laughs> so you got, you've worked in the, the, the death into it. Yeah. Are Catholic bookstores carrying these or have you approached any of them? I just, I bet you they would be interested. Yeah, I've got, uh, got them at Modern Day Bookstore in Irving. I've got uh, a couple of distributors that buy them from me and sell online. Catholic Online does. Um, and then another place full of Grace USA, they sell them. And, um, yeah, you know, but I'm always looking for distributors. That's way uh, better for me than, you know, doing the one-offs myself. But yeah. I don't mind doing that either. Go ahead and order them. Yeah, so you, you told us a story about Gargano, the interesting story about the bull and St. Michael and all that, the farmer. Any of these other stories uh, that you want to highlight that we haven't talked about yet? Anything? Uh, I'm guessing most people don't know these stories. Sure. And so the educational aspect of it is very important. But uh, any others that would you know, be of interest uh, for our listeners? Uh, well, yeah, I just don't know them very well. Yeah, not and, yet, right? Yeah, <laughs> not yet. Like, I don't really know them very deeply. And uh, so anyways... I, a real interesting to look up one to look up though is Skellig Mountain. Uh, that uh, basically there were monks on that mountain in Ireland, was in, right? Uh huh. Yeah. In Ireland, and then there's uh, another one off the coast of France. Um, I forgot exactly what the name is, but but Saint uh, yeah, it's uh, Saint Michael's Mount. What the the really cool part about that is that um, they it's this little island off of the coast. There's a mountain on it. He appeared there, but they built they built this awesome Catholic church that basically takes over the whole mountain. Mm-hmm. And just going and looking at the pictures is really awesome. But you can basically only get there, or it's made so you can get there when the tide is out. Mm-hmm. You can go walk up to it, and then when the time come, tide comes back in, you're 
Yeah. You know, know. When, you, when you pick topics for comics, I mean, St. Michael's perfect because it lends itself to battle and yeah. boom and crash and, yeah. you know, all these things that you're writing about. And I'm guessing that not every saint is subject matter for comics. Like, you know, I love St. Thomas Aquinas, but he pretty much was a guy with a pen and a book writing a you know, story. Yeah. It has to be action-based. So sure. I guess, and also I would ask, are there other saints or angels that you have in mind for the future? I know you've got the long-range plan all the way to your death. Yeah. But who else Who else interests you as far as po- to topic matter? Well, uh, one I really like is uh, Santiago Matamoros. Okay. So that's St. James. You know, he's the patron saint of Spain. And uh, I don't know why God let the Muslims occupy Spain for six, seven hundred years. He did. Uh, But to uh, once they, uh, you know, the Spanish were revolting and kicking the Muslims out there, all these uh, battles. And um, one of them. There's all these records of uh, St. James just appearing on a white horse and actually going into the battle, you mm-hmm. know, and then fighting and, you know, fighting against the Muslims in the battle. And uh, so I think that's really awesome. Yeah. If, you, if you look it up in Spain, there's all these uh, statues of him on this white horse. But then there's also, if you read... Uh, Cortez's secretary's account of when they got to Mexico and the battle with the Aztecs there, St. James shows up there. There are people saying that he came out and helped to fight the Aztecs and St. Michael there mm. also. So, yeah, you know, I was thinking, uh, I'm just thinking, uh, uh, you know, here, but if you want to stay on the St. Michael theme, yep. that heavenly battle d- depicted in yes. the book of Revelation. Yeah. St. Michael oh, yeah. you know, shows up. Uh, that Have you ever thought about that? Well, I thought of that as the origin story. Okay. Because, you know, me, I'm, I, like, I know all about St. Michael. I've known about him forever since I converted and all that stuff. But a lot of people, they don't know about him. And mm-hmm. they, they, don't, uh, they don't get that he's real and a big part of our faith. Like, he's the head of the armies mm-hmm. of angels. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that... He's not some guy with wings or whatever, you know, yeah. but but it is a good way to interpret that and interpret that that is a battle. You know, it, it's not it's not, uh, you know, just some nice thing where we're trying to outwit the devil or something like that. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. He hates us. He wants to, you know, ruin our souls. And so it's good to to have that approach, especially for men. Yeah. Yeah. And the. The times, obviously, angels are incorporeal, they're pure spirit, but then they assume bodies so that people can see them. Has right. there been a consistency in the reports as far as your research shows that, say, Michael kind of looked the same or was he mighty in battle and sword and all that kind of stuff? How, how did he physically look? Well, for some reason, they always depict him as having longish curly hair, okay. blonde, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not blonde, blonde. I'm totally gray. So, uh, you know, but uh, long, long, curly, blonde hair, long, curly, okay. blonde hair and with a sword of fire. OK, so, you know, I think that that's a human seeing something that they don't know what it is. And they are trying to say what they saw. Yeah. And, and that's how they. And most of the time, the people in scripture, when they see an angel, they 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 they're surprised they don't die because yeah. it's so awesome. I right. mean, in the in the real people use the word awesome a lot, yeah. but in truly awesome. Well, even Gabriel, uh, he says to Mary, don't fear. Yeah. 
don't yeah. fear. You know, so I'm sure it's it's like I don't say that when I approach somebody. Hey, don't fish. Don't fear. They're like, oh, I wasn't going to, dude. I don't, don't have worry same, about it. I don't have that problem either. <laughs> yeah, I don't have that much of an intimidating presence. Well, um, Shanti, thanks so much. It's good to catch up with you. We got a couple of minutes, and I just want to give you an opening to give that website out again. You know, you know anything else you want to know? Obviously, we'd like people to get online and buy some of these and support you. And what else would you like to say? Uh, well, yeah, you know, visit my website kaputcanis.com. You can get them there. Uh, there's also stuff like T-shirts. Those are good gifts for kids and grandkids. Um, but yeah, get on there and um, check them out. And, you know, also like if you're a, an artist or a writer and you want to help out with this, I'm totally open to that. So, uh, you know, if you've been trying like to Like a volunteer find, basis or uh, what? Volunteer, we can work something out, you know. Okay. But uh, yeah. I, I like free stuff, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, well, thanks for the visit and uh, come back anytime and let us know as these new ones roll out. The The website, kaputcanis.com, C-A-P-U-T-C-A-N-I-S.com. As Shanti said before, doghead is what it means in Latin. And uh, my guest has been uh, Shanti Guy. He and his wife, Katie, are uh, members of the traditional Latin Mass parishes in, in Fort Worth and also involved in uh, Modern Day Parish in Dallas as well. Thank you so much. And a uh, very interesting topic. That's I always say it. That's what I love about this program is, you know, one day I'm interviewing, uh, you know, a nun and the next day um, a bishop and then just a, a singer and then comic artist. I mean, it's just, it's very eclectic. It's awesome. And thanks also to Cecil Anderson for her help uh, with this program. And I always appreciate suggestions. If you want to suggest a future interview topic and guest, please uh, email me directly, Palmer at grnonline.com. The less I have to go running around trying to find uh, interviews, the, the easier my life is. And let's make my life easier, okay? Uh, thanks again, Shanti. Appreciate it. Again, uh, visit that website, kaputkanis.com, C-A-P-U-T-C-A-N-I-S, and uh, support good Catholic uh, artistry like what Shanti is doing. Have a great day. This has been the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. Bishop Edward J. Burns invites the faithful in the Diocese of Dallas to participate in a five-day Eucharistic Revival Solemn Exposition at the National Shrine Cathedral of Our Lady of Guadalupe in downtown Dallas, Sunday, March 3rd through Thursday, March 7th. The Blessed Sacrament will be exposed from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. with a break for Mass at noon each day. Please come adore Christ, present in the Blessed Sacrament, March 3rd through March 7th at the National Shrine Cathedral of Our Lady of Guadalupe. St. Patrick's Month is coming, and if you'd like to hear some great Irish sing-along music, come out and see Behan, a local Catholic Irish band full of faith, family, and fun. To find out where we will be playing during the month of March and beyond, you can visit our website, behanmusic.com. We're playing at the North Texas Irish Festival on March 2nd and 3rd at Fair Park in Dallas. And don't forget Poor David's Pub on Sunday, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Behanmusic.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, and this is my opportunity a couple of times a week uh, to just bring you an interesting story, something about our local Catholic faith, and sometimes it's somebody who's coming through town, as is the case today. And uh, I'll tell you, this is going to be one of the more interesting conversations that I've had. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm really intrigued by the man sitting in front of me because he not only is a Roman Catholic priest, but he also is a member of the 
United States Army, and he is in his fatigues, and um, he is a priest recruiter for the U.S. military, and so, U.S. Army, I should say. Right. Uh, Father Peter Pompasello is his name. Uh, he goes by the nickname of Father Uncle Sam. <laughs> And uh, let me read the bio, and then we're going to get into a whole lot of questions that I have to ask. And uh, But, Father, thank you for, no, for th- being Dave, here. Dave, thanks so much for having me. And I, I just came in from Aggieland, flew in from Whoop. Houston. Boy, my arm's tired. It was great. <laughs> and a comedian. <laughs> All right. Father Peter Pompasello is a Roman Catholic priest with the Archdiocese for the Military Services. He serves in the U.S. Army as a priest recruiter. His mission is to bring more priests and seminarians to serve in the U.S. Army and United States Army Reserve as Roman Catholic and Orthodox priest chaplains. As a priest in the Army, Father Pompasello jumped out of airplanes in Alaska, deployed to the Middle East to minister to soldiers in harm's way, and had the joy of celebrating many masses, weddings, and baptisms for the soldiers and families of the U.S. Army. Okay, I'm intrigued. So, Father, if I may, let me go back. Um, you've got a, a, an Italian name, so I'm just going to take a, a guess that you were born Catholic. You've always been a Catholic. Is that the case? Yes, cradle Catholic. Um, my parents, Peter and Rita, uh, raised as Catholic. Uh, my parents had a big conversion. If we, we can go into that, that. That I, my sisters, I have two older siblings, so I have two older sisters. Okay. And they always argue that I had different parents because my parents had a, a great awakening to their oh, faith. So you were the as I was, okay. I was the, and I, I bore really all the fruit of that. I really did. I mean, I'm mystified when my sisters talk about their upbringing, their childhood. They, they weren't, my parents weren't really mass goers. They would, they, they just, it was probably there for Christmas, Easter yeah. kind of thing. And then, my parents went through what was called, it was a big revival in the 70s. A lot of your viewers probably remember it as Marriage Encounter. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. And that, that, that was huge for my mother and my father. Yeah. And they took this faith so much more seriously. And I just, I, that's, what I, that's all I knew. So you only knew them post. <laughs> I only knew that, the post, yeah, this post-awakening yeah. to the faith. And you're the last child? And I'm the last child. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, 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 my wife and I have two daughters and a son, so we, we kind of follow the same pattern. Right. Uh, but thanks be to God. I mean, we're certainly far from perfect, but we, we've always been Catholic. Right. And that's so, great. That's an interesting story. So, yeah. so you grow up in, uh, you know, regular, you look like the kind of guy that might be playing sports and yeah, football public, and public school, just regular, regular upbringing. I was a public school kid, K to eight. Um, the Catholic schools at the time were so, were so densely populated in New York City that you were on a waiting list. And I think... I think I made the waiting list like we finally maybe it was sixth or seventh grade where the, the waiting list became available. And I only had another year to do. So my parents were like, let's just wait for Catholic school for high school. Yeah. And God bless them. I'm so grateful. They sent me to Monfe- Monsignor Farrell High School. I'm a Farrell man. And I, I loved that high school. It really it really formed me. It formed me as a Catholic even though I kind of fought it <laughs> yeah. later on, and I and I fell away from from really practicing the faith as I should have um, after high school and through college, but I the foundation that that the the Irish Christian Brothers gave me and that the the priests of the Archdiocese of New York that served there, I, that's where I learned about the real presence of the Eucharist. That's where I I learned about my faith and. Um, I'm just ever grateful to it. And I, I also, the seeds of discovering my vocation were there mm. as well. My first attraction was to be a, was to be a priest for about like two seconds. I thought about the priesthood and I was so intimidated. I said, I couldn't be a priest, but maybe I could be a brother. 
And I was I stayed with that this for a very long time in high school. Okay. I thought about okay. I thought about being an Irish Christian brother, and I thought about that long and hard. And I was very I was very attracted to their to their community and their work. I I I just I, it it kind of bowled me over that these were this was my first exposure to adults that weren't married people, mm-hmm. and they had this full life of, of work and living together and they were at all our games and all, all our track meets. And I'm like, wow, like I, I think I could, I'd like to do that. That'd be, yeah. that'd be pretty cool. But then I got intimidated out of that too. I was like, well, I can't do that either. So I rationalized all of it and I eventually became a school teacher because of them. <laughs> I taught public school for five years. At the high school level? I, I thought, yeah. no, junior high school level. I had a high school license and I taught night school. It was very rewarding. I taught night school, um, English and composition writing for GED students, mm-hmm. okay. students that, and I actually, I'd seen full circle. I taught long enough to see students that, that I substitute taught or I taught in junior high school that were on a bad path. And, and I even threatened them. I said, you don't take this seriously now. I'm going to see you at night school. Yeah. And I actually did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you know, I did like, so, so that was, that was very rewarding. And then I taught, um, computers, uh, to junior high school kids, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I taught computers. I was, I was kind of like Moses in the Promised Land. I saw the Promised Land of the internet and all this stuff coming. Uh-huh. But I, I left. I left teaching to pursue the seminary. So, but I saw it all coming. It was. I, I was like, this internet thing's going to be big. Yeah. So, so seminary proceeded army, or I'm trying to fade. What's the timeline? It was actually con- it, it, army started first because I went to I went to college. And I was given a, an army scholarship to go to college. I went okay. to Brooklyn Polytech, and 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 I was luck, I was fortunate to have this this scholarship and ROTC. And I was all about it. I I, I loved pursuing the the idea of pursuing uh, a career in the army, and I wanted that. But I was I was graduated from Brooklyn Polytech in 1991, and your audience might remember that was when the first Gulf War yeah, ended. Yeah. So the army was downsizing. There was no room for any. It's like, no, go home. We, we're not going to pay you. Don't, don't, don't come back. So I was put in the inactive ready reserves for a while, and I was depressed for about five minutes. I was like, I'm not going to be a career officer. Well, then I guess I'm going to get a job, and that's how I, I wound up. I did several things. I, I was an editor at a textbook, a textbook company, and then I wound up landing that job full time as a public school teacher. Then. Got hit on the head with the vocation. Wow, that's uh, it's it's interesting because I'm trying to get the timeline. So these are really both happening at the same time. The same so time. I entered the way you're looking at me now. I was I was dressed in a uniform just like this, uh, okay. 27 years ago in the seminary, and they understood when they when they accepted me into the seminary, they understood that I had an obligation to finish with the army reserves, okay. and they were okay with that, and they said that's fine. And I also said, you know, I. I'd love to be a priest in the army. Like, it, would it be possible for me to, like, you know, can I pursue that as a, as a seminarian? And they kind of said, you know, like, yeah, you can look into that. We'll, we'll see about it. And I went all the way to apply and to become what's called a chaplain candidate where a man studies in the seminary and also does training in the summers while he's a seminarian and then preparing for his priesthood to be an offering to to the army at mm-hmm. the end of it all. I was ready to start that program. And then uh, a priest that we lived with, God rest him, Father Ed Warnkin, his cancer came back. And it kind of, it just struck me. I said, you know, this guy, he's going to have appointments. He's going to have a lot going on this summer. I don't need to go back to the army to 
you know, wear a uniform and learn how to march and do these other things. I, I don't need to be a cadet again. So I stayed home and, and other three other seminarians went to that training without me. One of them has more time in the army than I do. He, he mm-hmm. stayed with it all the way through, but I, I let it go and I let it go for, for that time. And long story short, uh, it took, I, I took a 15 year break from the army. I served in the archdiocese of New York as a parochial vicar. And then I was a pastor of Holy Cross in the Bronx for six years. So you like a, uh, and I, I use air priest. quotes, like a regular priest. A regular uh, parish okay. priest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I, was, I was a parish and, priest. Uh, the, the, the army stuff was. It was uh, always in the back of my mind and yeah. I wanted it. And I, I, I always hoped that I'd get back to it. But at the time, my, my uh, archbishop, uh, Cardinal Egan, he, I'm, I'm so grateful to him. God rest him. He, he ordained me. But he had his vision for me, and his vision for me was, no, I need you in the parish, Father Pompicello. I need you to, you know, I need you to run a parish. And and I'm very grateful to him. He named me a pastor, which, for the good of your audience, too, like, I'm so grateful to have had that experience and to let them know that that a, that I'm, I'm a priest just like your own pastor at home. I had that experience. I know what, what it takes to be a pastor. But I was given now this special work by the grace of Cardinal Dolan. I asked him when I was, I was about 45 years old. I said, I'm not getting any younger and I really want to do this. And he said, yeah, you should. Yeah, go ahead and, you know, go ahead. You should do and this. And do this. You mean be Meaning involved, the, be involved the, in the military? Go, the go, back, go yeah. back into the army as yeah. a chaplain. And that was 10 years ago. So I brought all of that experience that the Archdiocese of New York gave me, two, two pastoral assignments, one in Westchester at St. John and Paul, one in, in Manhattan at St. Elizabeth's in, in Washington Heights, and then six years as a pastor in the Bronx at Holy Cross. I brought all that with me to the army. And I'm going to say this to if you have any priests listening and they're, they're saying, well, yeah, but you had it all dialed in with the army. Like you knew what the army was all about. It's okay. We just need priests. If you have a, a heart for soldiers and a heart for for God and country, we'll train you to do the army stuff. Mm-hmm. But but we need priests. And yes, I did come with that skill set already in hand. I, I I understood the culture of the army. I understood what soldiering was about. You know, but you're more the ana- you're more the anomaly, the person that kind of grew up in this parallel path. You're saying that a, an ordinary priest could be recruited into the military and you can give him the training that he needs yes. to, to do and his job effectively. I would say most chaplains don't, do not have an experience in the army first. I am, I am the anomaly in that sense that, that most of the chaplains, if you took, took all the chaplains in the chaplain corps, several of them are, there's a percentage of us that are veterans. That'd be a great thing for me to investigate. What percentage of the chaplain corps of army priests, what percentage of them were prior service? I, you know, just kind of thinking through my head, like not, not too many of us. I would yeah. say it's probably less than 20%, if not less than 10% of us. Yeah. Now here's, here's where I'm uh, a little confused. If you can help this out. So, you know, let's say we're, we're broadcasting into you know, the Dallas diocese, the Fort Worth diocese, and you mentioned it, if there's a priest listening. So let me just, you know, the, 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 I'm just going to make up a, a sure. a, like father Joe is listening right now and he's currently pastor of, you know, St. Mary parish. And he's like, yeah, yeah, this sounds really oh, interesting. Oh, the joke. Pick now, up the phone right now. now. now okay, but he, but he has a parish. He's got a bishop. Okay. Who, so how does that work? Very does he good. now, does right. he now say, go to his bishop and say, hey, I heard this guy, this priest, and, and I'm interested in this. Is right. that how it works? And yes, it does. It, 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 I, I can tell you from my own path, and it's probably, it's really the most solid advice I could give to Father Joe is have a conversation with your ordinary first. Because there's really, 
we're really dead in the water. You could be the most motivated priest, your heart on fire for God and country, but unless your bishop gives you permission to do this special work, you're not coming. So I did that, and I knew that. I knew that. I knew the process before I, you know, So you got to convince two people. Yeah. At least two people, because here's another one I could put in the the mix. There's a noble path to citizenship for a foreign-born priest who has a green card, and he's serving in the United States, and he loves God, and he loves country, and he's, I'd love to contribute. I'd love to serve in the armed forces. I'd love to serve in the army and, and, and help soldiers and families. With a green card holder, we can bring a green card holder into the Army Reserves, and it's a noble path to citizenship. He literally earns his citizenship mm-hmm. in one year. It, it suspends it suspends the uh, the five year wait period, and 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 he could become he could become a, a a citizen and a soldier. Yeah. Now let me. I'll play devil's advocate, and the bishop is like, you know what? I, there's already a vocation crisis. I only got so many priests, and now you want to take one from me? Right. That, that's got to be a, right. A, and an that's issue. that's why I brought in the mix about the farm born priest. That yeah. would be. Three bishops I need. I need the bishop uh, where he's come, where he comes from, his American bishop who's governing him here, yeah. and then the two of them in concert write letters to Archbishop Timothy Broglio, who is the archbishop for the military services. And then he has to sign, he literally signs a piece of paper, a Department of Defense Form 2088, and he signs that piece of paper saying that this priest is, has the spiritual fitness to serve in the armed forces. And with that piece of paper, now the army can say, okay, you're legit, come this way. And they'll do security background checks, fingerprints, you know, eyes, ears, nose, throat, blood work, samples, you know, all of that stuff to now vet you as a soldier. And then all of that goes to a board. And then the board says, yeah, this guy's good. He's, yeah, he's fit to serve. Let's, let's bring uh-huh. him in the chaplain corps. Yeah. And he's commissioned as an officer in the United States Army. Wow. Father Peter Pompicello is my guest. Father Uncle Sam is his nickname. His email is priestrecruiter, uh, how is East. this? East. Priest okay, okay. Priestrecruiter East at gmail.com. Priestrecruiter East at gmail.com. Uh, can I give out your phone number? Uh, the best one, the best one to give out is the the Instagram fr dot uncle sam is yeah. is a great one. Fr dot uncle sam is my um, that's the best way to get me on Instagram. And if you want to get me on, uh, if you if you wanted to actually call me, you you can call or text me at four one zero nine four zero two five one seven. Four one zero nine four zero two five one seven. So what is a day in the life of Father P. Pompicello. Are you traveling all the time? You're based out of the Archdiocese of New York. Uh, Bishop, Archbishop uh, Cardinal Dolan is your, Cardinal is your, Dolan. Is your ordinary. Cardinal Dolan released me yeah. to be subject to Archbishop Broglio, who then, who now I'm released okay. to this service in the army. And it's very curious, and you, you, your listeners might find this fun and interesting. I don't get assigned by a bishop. I get assigned by the army. Oh, really? I, I just come up on orders. Actually, you got you know, a lot before, of bosses, don't you? I, I do. I do. <laughs> and, you know, and you have to kind of keep it all yeah. straight and, and, and let everybody know what you're doing and where you're doing these things. I'm, I'm actually, I just came up on orders. I'll be, I'll be leaving this job in, in a few months and I'll be going back to the airborne community. I'll go back to jumping out of airplanes and doing the things that you might think a priest. So you're, does. you're not going to be a priest recruiter. I won't be a, it's, I won't be a priest recruiter come, uh, uh, June, I'll be I'll be coming as now. The army does whatever whatever the army wants, but I'm pretty confident that this this will be the end of of my time as a priest recruiter. But I I really feel it on my heart. You know, this is more than just a job. This there's a vocational aspect to this thing, and that's why I present myself online as Father Uncle Sam. And I'd like to think that 
I could always be that conduit if people want to know, hey, you know, like some priest sees this on YouTube or they listen to this on Spotify two years from now, it's fine. They called me and they reached out. I'm, like, I'm going to point, I'm going to give them to the next recruiter to, yeah. to get the process. You don't going. look anything like Uncle Sam, by the way. <laughs> you know, you got to grow the big white beard. I can't wait till I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh yeah, you must be an old guy with a wrong beard or that, that red, white, and blue hat on. Uh, so uh, very, very interesting. So, uh, so you, why, why are you in Texas? So I'm in Texas on a recruiting mission. I'm, okay. I'm literally recruiting um, for for young men considering a vocation to the priesthood and help, helping them to decide and, and assist them to apply to the army as what would be a chaplain candidate. Mm-hmm. My ideal, like my target audience right now is a, like the, the hottest ticket I could get is uh, an Aggie who's a senior and he's totally like all in. He's like, you know what? I know the Lord's calling me to be a priest and I really, I would love to do what you do. And I would say, so would I. Come yeah, with but, me. But even <laughs> that way, you're not going to have a priest for another seven or eight it's years, a, it's right? It's a long ass. So you're playing, you're playing the long game. It's a very long game. But what I would do is I would assist that young man to apply to his diocese along with the vocation director for the archdiocese for the military services. I would put them together and they would together, they would discern his vocation and then say, yeah, okay, we'll make him a co-sponsored seminarian. And what that means is it's a benefit to his home diocese because the archdiocese for the military services would pay for half of his education for all of his seminary with the agreement that when he finishes seminary, he's ordained, he stays in the parish for his first three years, but then he would come back for 60 months. Think of it as a United States Military Service Academy obligation. Mm. Five years he gives as an assignment full-time to the military, to the Army, and then he comes home if he wanted to. But we would love the long, the long ask. Um, we, need, we need priests to stay in the Army so that they can, they can gain rank and influence and responsibility to and and protect the uh, the Catholic culture and and you know and protect Catholic interests in the army. We're a minority. We're a majority, and yet we're a minority. Most Christians in the army are not Catholic, but twenty five percent of your Christians are one denomination, and they're Catholic. Mm. So it's very it's it's interesting that way. And I'm I don't want I don't want this to sound like it's adversarial, but it, it, there's a need to, for people to be educated. We have to oftentimes I have to educate the people on post that, hey, listen, music is not a nicety. Music is not something that's like a nice little icing on the cake thing. This is a part of our liturgy. We mm-hmm. need, the government needs to provide us with the dollars to pay for the organist so that we can perform liturgy as it should be performed. Education is not a nicety. This is something that is necessary for the children of these soldiers to be educated, to be prepared for their sacraments in the Eucharist and confirmation. So that kind of influence, unfortunately, you know, people pay attention to rank in the army. It's just the reality. So we need priests to stay and to gain in rank and responsibility to serve the community as best we can. Very nice. Father Peter Papasello is my guest. Priest Recruiter East at gmail.com is the website. You can call him 410-940-2517. Now, the fact that there's the word East in your email, does that mean there's a Father Pete in the West? Yeah, there, uh, there, is, uh, there is a component. Out, um, he's actually like, so there are some events that we do together. He's not far. He's, his his uh, office is, is here in Dallas. But we... We team up on certain events because they're they're just so big. 
I mean, Aggieland's huge. The seventy thousand, yeah. you know, and that that cadet core is huge. So we kind of we kind of need each other's help, you know, to uh, to prospect now. And, to recruit. and somebody who you know, you get this. Uh, I think you said you know, senior in high school who's going to go into seminary and he's interested in this. So once he gets out in the archdiocese of military services and his local diocese gather, you know, get together and they collaborate, and he gets he becomes a priest. What what happens then? What 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 are his options once he is a a, a military priest in that regard? Is he going to become a chaplain or what? Well, if if he's a military if he's a priest in the military, I don't know if I oh, like well, what 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 would be this the, the people that you're speaking to and you're trying to recruit them? What right. what, what do they what do oh, they what's what do they, the job what, look like? Yeah, what's the job? Oh, oh yeah. excellent. No, it, it's, it's basically you're going to serve in the culture of that unit that you join. Think of it this way. Every parish has its own culture. There's, you know, there's inner city parishes, there's rural parishes, there's suburban parishes. And the ministry in a suburban parish is different than the ministry in a very urban parish, downtown mm-hmm. parish. And you could say the same thing for the units in the army. Aviation has its culture. The infantry has its culture. The, the support battalions have their culture. And the priest's responsibility is to learn the culture, to learn your commander's priorities to see like, okay, what's what's important to him so that I can now fit in and be a value add to the culture, to support that culture, and also then to be available for them to to receive the sacraments and take care of their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the everyday life is often on post. You'll um, you'll get up early, you'll be you'll work out, you want to win your soldiers over, you get up and do the things that they do whether you like it or not, because they're doing it whether they like it or not. So and if, if you're deployed, you go with them? And if you're deployed, you go with them. But no better way to win over your soldiers than to get up early with them. They have to be there for PT at 6.30 in the morning. You're there for PT at 6.30 mm-hmm. in the morning. And they're standing out in the rain, and you're standing out in the rain with them. They know within seconds that, like, you're there for them. They're like, Padre, what are you doing here in the rain? Yeah. I'm like, you're yeah. here in the rain. Like, eh, it's going to be all right. Hey, how you doing? How was your weekend? And that's how you win. That's how you win over hearts and minds. That's how you do it. You know, and yeah. little by little. That's why I'm 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 proud and I'm happy to jump out of airplanes because they know it's like this guy's making an effort to be with me here to jump out of this airplane with me. <laughs> and and yeah. they they take a lot of comfort. Most in that. priests don't jump out of airplanes, <laughs> no. do they? <laughs> but I, you know, I kind of joined for that. Like that's that's the reason I became yeah, a chaplain. Yeah. It's like these are great opportunities. Uh, we don't have much time to talk about this, but there's uh, Father Capon, isn't that uh, the one? Yes, that you, yes. Yeah, that's oh, got to be a so hero glad. of yours. Just I, we only literally have about a minute, but yeah, can you so tell then, us about let, him. Yeah, really, really quickly. Um, so Father Mil Capon, there's a great movie coming out called Fighting Spirit, and you can you can Google this. It's a, it's a uh, it's a great movie about the chaplain corps and all of the branches, and it's the Emil Capon story of how they found his body, bring him home, and the conversion, this this awakening of a cha- of a chaplain coming aware of of his story and the service, the the sacrifice of the service of the chaplain corps throughout the history of the chaplain corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I figured you might be a fan of this. So that's the film. What's it called? Again? Fighting Spirit. Fighting, Fighting Spirit. Spirit. You can go to you can go to fightingspirit.com. I think it's um fightingspiritmovie.com. Hold on. Fighting Spirit Film. Fightingspiritfilm.com and you can get more information on that. All right. Uh Father Peter Pompasello, Father Uncle Sam, if you want to get in touch with him if you're intrigued or interested in uh possibly you know, just learning more or, or pursuing while the, what he's talking about. Priest Recruiter East at gmail.com. 
You can call him 410-940-2517. And then there's great general information, goarmy.com slash chaplains. You can get plenty of general information. Okay. I just wish you had a little bit more enthusiasm. That's all. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I appreciate it very Thanks much. Thanks so much, uh, Dave. Yeah, Thanks that, so much for having me. Yeah. I've never interviewed a priest who was wearing fatigue. So I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd seen it all, but uh, all right, Father, thank you so God much. Bless you. Thanks, I appreciate Dave. it. And uh, thanks to Teresita Perez for writing Teresita. the board. I've, nah, I've never said that before. Thank you for writing the board. Not that she's never done. Nah, she- thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.